This is News Source 1 Michiana. Elkhart South Bend. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, October the 29th, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. Even before last year's election, President Biden expressed his support for unions. Now it's up to Congress to decide if laws protecting union workers will be included in the long-awaited reconciliation bill. The PRO Act, or Protecting the Right to Organize, was approved by the House but blocked in the Senate. Some elements are nonetheless included in the reconciliation bill. In Texas, Robin Johnson with the Communication Workers of America, Local 6215, says the act would ensure a greater level of fairness. As Texans, no matter our race, where we come from, or what jobs we have, we deserve the right to have a voice at work. We can improve the lives of Texans by coming together and demanding better. Forming a union is what coming together looks like in the workplace. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce argues the bill would undermine workers' rights, ensnare employers in unrelated labor disputes, and disrupt the economy. I'm Roz Brown. Advocates say that the PRO Act could invigorate the labor movement, where currently only about 6% of private sector workers are in unions. That's the lowest level in a century. Meantime, Eric Tegadoff tells us the Biden administration has released a slimmed-down spending proposal that includes $100 billion for immigration reform. The latest Build Back Better plan adds up to about $1.75 trillion, excluding immigration funds, because the administration is waiting to hear if the Senate parliamentarian agrees it can be included in the budget reconciliation process. Aliza Bojani is with One America, a Washington state-based immigration advocacy group. She's glad the Biden administration has recognized immigration as a priority, but is disappointed the latest proposal doesn't include a pathway to citizenship. What we're hearing loudly and clearly from our communities is that we need permanent protections, particularly since immigrants are the ones who were the frontline workers, were out in the field, kept this country going through a pandemic. The Biden administration says the $100 billion in the current budget framework would be used to reduce backlogs in the immigration asylum system and expand legal representation at the border. Republicans say immigration reform needs to address larger issues at the border, which they describe as in crisis. And from the New York Times, the Supreme Court Thursday lifted a stay of execution that a federal appeals court had granted to two Oklahoma death row inmates. That clears the way for the men to be put to death by lethal injection. As is the court's custom, its brief order gave no reasons. The inmates John Marion Grant and Julius Jones had argued the state's lethal injection protocol could subject them to excruciating pain. They also objected on religious grounds to a requirement imposed by a trial judge that they choose among proposed alternative methods of execution, saying that doing so would amount to suicide. This is PNS. More than 113,000 military veterans live in New Hampshire, but fewer than a quarter of them have enrolled in VA health care. A new Health Benefits Navigator publication from AARP seeks to help more veterans access their benefits. A family and caregiving expert with AARP, Amy Goyer, says she knows from personal experience how complicated the Veterans Affairs system can be. She helped her father, a veteran of World War II and the Korean War, enroll in VA health services. Goyer says it's partly because there are so many options. Some people use VA benefits in conjunction with Medicare, Medicaid, or other insurance. It was really arduous. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of phone calls and asking questions and trying to get to the right people to really get him everything that he deserved, and that was so, so helpful for him. 
Goyer says the Navigator booklet explains how to find out if you or someone you care for are eligible for VA health services and what documents are necessary to access the benefits. She knows it also contains information about where to reach out if you need help navigating the process. I'm Lily Volke reporting. Nationwide, nearly 60% of all veterans are eligible for VA health services, but fewer than half sign up for them. Kentucky counties caught in a cycle of trying to cover the cost of incarceration by locking up more people and building bigger jails. At the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy, research director and report author Ashley Spaulding explains local jails in some counties receive up to 86 percent of their jail revenue by jailing individuals for the Kentucky Department of Corrections. And so what ends up happening then is that county jails, they benefit financially from holding holding people for, for the state. Kentucky, along with Louisiana, incarcerates the largest share of people serving felony sentences in county jails. Nadia Ramlagan reporting. Finally, Emily Scott tells us environmental groups are taking a new approach to hold Governor Tom Wolf's administration accountable. Earthworks, Environmental Defense Fund, Clean Air Council, and Clean Water Action have launched WolfsMethanePromise.com a website featuring a live counter that tracks how much methane has been emitted in Pennsylvania since Wolf took office, followed by the days until his term ends in 2023. Joseph Minot of the Clean Air Council says they believe Wolf isn't meeting the environmental commitment necessary to address one of the root causes of climate change. We know that methane is a very potent greenhouse gas, so it really makes no sense that a gas-producing state like Pennsylvania would be so cavalier about not doing a thorough job in terms of reducing methane emissions. Pennsylvania is the second largest gas producer in the country. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service. Member and listener supported. Heard on interesting radio stations. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. A very strong solar flare has come off of the sun. The early radiation and radio foreshock came in Thursday afternoon mainly affecting South America and amateur radio communications. The main part of the solar storm energy is expected to affect Earth Saturday into Halloween with a strong likelihood of northern lights being visible as far south as Michiana. Keep watch on our Facebook group for more information WND send us photos and videos if you witness the northern lights. As a moment of calmness, This solar flare is not strong enough to damage any power grids. It may affect Sunday's Crew-3 launch to THR International Space Station if the regular weather does not first. Friday showers. High near 57. Northeast wind 10 to 15 miles per hour chance of precipitation is 90%. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Friday night showers likely, mainly before 11 p.m. cloudy, with a low around 47. Northeast wind around 15 miles per hour chance of precipitation is 70%. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Saturday a 30% chance of showers before 2 p.m. mostly cloudy, with a high near 55. North wind around 10 miles per hour Saturday night partly cloudy, with a low around 44. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour Sunday mostly sunny, with a high near 56. Sunday night partly cloudy, with a low around 38. Monday mostly sunny, with a high near 49.
Starting your own business is a path to building the life you've always wanted, but you don't have to go it alone. Let Zen Business be the trusted guide on your journey to success, giving you the essential skills and tools you need to quickly and easily turn your idea into a money-making business. If you've been thinking of starting your own business recently, you're not alone. People everywhere are trading in their stressful, unfulfilling jobs for a life full of autonomy and potential. Zen Business is here to help you balance starting and running a successful company with managing your own well-being. You don't have to be an expert at everything to get started on your journey. Zen Business makes all the business stuff easier so you can stay focused on your passion. Their all-in-one platform combines fast and simple business formation services with helpful resources and tools so you can quickly start making money and running your business with ease. Build the life you always wanted and get to your first dollar faster with the Zen Business platform. Get started today for as low as $49 at zenbusiness.com dream. That's zenbusiness.com dream. Hi, I'm Dr. Andreas Michaelitis, Chief Psychologist at Noom. But what's Noom and why does Noom need a Chief Psychologist? Noom is a weight loss program that works with results that last because we know that changing the way you eat starts with your mind. With Noom's proven psychology-backed tools, one-on-one coaching, and flexible plans that emphasize progress over perfection, you'll have the tools you need to change your relationship with food. So sign up at Noom.com now and lose the weight for good. That's N-O-O-M.com. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I hope the weather where you are is better than the weather where I am. My goodness gracious, it's a wreck here in the southeast. Uh, and uh, may I, I, I suspect it, it is the accumulated tears of the Braves fans after last night's game. What a wreck. What a disaster. We we, we, we won't dwell on that. Uh, I, I want to talk about undertoes. I haven't been to the beach in a while. I, I love to go to Hilton Head. When I was in law school, I had a buddy of mine. He had been in a plane crash, uh, had had a large settlement, had been able to buy property in Hilton Head. Not on the beach, mind you, but he had a nice little house in Hilton Head and, and gave me a key to the place, and I could go down there whenever I wanted, and Hilton Head kind of became my place to go unplug. And when I crossed the bridge, I immediately relax. Now I am not a I'm not really a beach person. Y'all have y'all seen me? I'm so white. When I put on white socks, they disappear. I gotta wear I gotta wear colored socks because I can't find them to take them off when I put them on. I'm Swedish. My God, I have two colors, white and red. There is no brown at all except the freckles. I, I, I don't like the beach, but I love to go to Hilton Head. I love to I love to go on the beach at night. I take astrophoto- I love astrophotography. So I have a fancy camera and a giant telescope, and I take amazing pictures of the stars at night on the beach in Hilton Head. I'll get up at 2 o'clock in the morning in March when we go on spring break. Now, I, I can't afford to go right now. It's, it's kind of expensive to rent a house on the beach. One day I want to buy one. But I'll, we'll go in March, and the Milky Way is coming up around 2 o'clock in the morning. And I can take these fancy pictures of the center of the galaxy. It's it's fantastic. But there can be undertoes at the beach. And that is, if y'all don't know what an undertow really is, it's when, you know, when the water comes in on the waves, it's got to go somewhere. And what it does is it slips back beneath the surface and goes out. And when there are storms and stuff, the undertow can be very strong. But here's the thing you learn sometimes, even when it appears to be peaceful, there can be an undertow. I was commenting on this with Joe Biden's polling a while back that there are no big events right now 
I mean, there there really isn't anything. We had Afghanistan, but there haven't been just boom, 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 big waves of headlines crashing on the shore. And yet his polling continues to get dragged down. And it really started with Afghanistan and in the state. Uh, listener Landon emailed me. And I want to give Lister credit. And he pointed out, you know, you're right. There aren't big headlines crashing and everything is still, there's an undertow there. And the undertow is the stuff that gets talked about in passing. It's the it's the short segment topics. You know, you know the, I throw in, I've got two long segments and two short segments, and we talk about stuff that we talk about all the time, but it just kind of, it can get kind of boring to talk about that stuff all the time. But those are the undertows. Inflation, people are going to the grocery store and stuff is expensive. People have been sending me screenshots of, you know, during the pandemic, people went and they bought all their hamburger meat and stuff and they stuck it in the freezer and they're pulling out and taking a picture of it, how much more expensive the current purchases are from the old stuff. By the way, if you've kept beef this long, you need to throw it away. After a year, nope, don't, don't. Freezer burn, it dries out. Oh, I'm going to gag. Don't, don't, don't keep it that long. Keep it six months or so and then cook it. If, it's, if you've got steak in your freezer that's been there for a year, trust me on this. It's time to let go. But the undertow of the polling, people are going to the grocery store and things have gotten pricey. Inflation is happening. People are going to their gas pump. I, I know someone now. I know someone. I will not. And it's a her. It's a she. It's not a him. It's, it's it's a woman, like a woman who really thinks she's a woman, a real woman, who is the culprit in my community putting the thanks Joe Biden and Joe Biden did that uh, stickers at gas pumps. She's carried some. She showed me some. She, she got them from a website where people were doing this, and it's a picture of a smiling Joe Biden pointing, and underneath it says, Joe did that. Or actually, I think it says I did that, and it's Joe Biden, and it's it's he's pointing, and you can put him to the right of the gas pump, but he's pointing pointing towards the left, and so you see the sticker shock. It's I did that. And she's putting them on gas pumps. I find it hilarious. A little guerrilla activism out there. Oh come on, you people that I can't believe you would condone that. You people are going around putting the, putting those those raised fists up on street lights and stuff, and the Antifa logos and stuff. Payback. It, uh, it's harmless. It's funny. Like the, the some some DOT worker in Virginia this morning is in trouble because all of the big signs that say, you know, the big digital signs that say merge to the right or whatever, someone in the DOT in Virginia reprogrammed them. And in Northern Virginia, they're all let's go Brandon this morning. It's a it's a big news story up in Northern Virginia. I find that funny. But it's it's the undertow. And then you have the vaccines and people are starting to lose their jobs because they don't want to comply with corporations and the vaccines and the corporations aren't being very accommodating. I, I, I still think it's a bad idea to force your employees to get this vaccine when there is so much skepticism. I mean, you can say the skepticism is wrong and I am very pro-vaccine. I've not only gotten the va- two vaccine round, I got the booster. You know, I, and I do have to tell you all, the booster is what did me in. I didn't feel great after the second. I didn't feel great after the second. But it wasn't like a, I actually took off the next day from work because I assumed I would feel bad. And I didn't really feel 
I could have gone to work basically. But I took the booster. Now, I, I took the booster experimentally uh, as as they're doing the research. Uh, the FDA is just now releasing the Moderna one. That's the one I took. Uh, this has been a couple of weeks ago. And I it really made me – it was really weird. And it was like clockwork. I took the vaccine at 9 a.m., I guess two Fridays ago. And um, by 9 p.m., I was starting to not feel good. By midnight – I woke up the next morning. It, it was it was dreadful. It was absolutely awful. Uh, and my wife said, well, now you know what it's like to go through menopause. Uh, I was having hot flashes and chills all night long. These amazing hot flashes. Now, I, I've heard women going through a minute. This is really too much information for y'all, isn't it? I, I've heard women talk about the hot flashes when you're, when, when you're getting into menopause. Hot, y'all, I mean, I literally had to put towels in the bed and change my clothes because I was sweating through. I was so hot. That, and then I would get up and go to the bathroom because that was the other thing. I had to go to the bathroom constantly. And then the chills would hit and I could barely make it back to bed. I was shaking so bad, so frigid on the way back to bed. I'd get back under the covers and the chowls would be wet, so I'd have to get up and I'd have to change the towels. And then about 30, 40 minutes later, the, the heat wave would start again. It's like, dear God, what is going on here? My wife was like, well, that's going to be me in a few years. Now, now you know what it's going to be like. It's like, ah, it was horror. It was really, and you know what? It started around 9 p.m. By midnight, it was in full force. And by 9 a.m., I was perfectly fine. It was as if nothing had ever happened. In fact, I went up. It was the the NCLS game that night. It was the first game. I thought I was going to have to bail on my buddy Braden, who was taking me. And I, I plowed through the day. And the further the day went, the better I felt. And by that night, it was great. And then the Braves won that game. So that made it all good. But it was miserable. But I, it's, I, I'm pro-vaccine. I say that to say I'm pro-vaccine. And I took the booster and I suffered through it. My kids have been vaccinated. We are pro-vaccine. We think it's good. Now, I don't know about this this five-year-old thing. This five-year-old thing, I'm if my kid was five, I wouldn't be giving my kid this vaccine. Because the the vaccine, if he gets COVID, he's going to be fine. He's he'd be totally fine. The data says he'd be totally fine. So why give him the vaccine? We'll 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 get into that. But anyway, back to the undertow. All of this stuff is pulling Biden's poll numbers down. People are resentful. He said it would go away. It's not really going away. He, he, people are resentful. He's forcing vaccine mandates onto companies, and, and the employees are losing their jobs because of it. The, the nurses and doctors who don't want it, they were the heroes last year. They were doing ticker tape parades in New York City, and now progressives are like, screw you, people. Lose your job. You should die because you're going to make me die. I, I saw some guy yesterday on, on social media, a doctor, said he went to a restaurant to go eat. And they did not ask for his vaccine card, so he left. And it's not just that that they want to impose it on other people. And then there's the world world affair issues. Afghanistan is still in chaos. People are still having issues with Afghanistan. And now there's the bipartisan infrastructure plan and and the, the Democrats' reconciliation plan and the taxes. It's all being blown up today. Joe Biden went to Capitol Hill to try to encourage people on the Hill, the Democrats, to stand with him and pass the plan. And the progressives are saying, no, it's not enough. We, we need actual legislative language. We need to actually see the plan. Biden can't corral the Democrats. And then there's something else going on as well. 
I want to play you some sound. This is Terry McAuliffe running for governor in Virginia. Listen to this. I am sick of them talking about these issues of critical race theory. We do not teach critical race theory here in Virginia. It has never been taught. It is a racist dog whistle. It is pitting parents against parents, parents against teachers, and they're using our children as political pawns, and it has got to stop. And that's not the only thing Terry McAuliffe said. Terry McAuliffe also was on an interview on television, and the reporter asked him if he will be willing to work with parents who are concerned about the situation in Virginia. Will he be willing to work with those people, those parents? And McAuliffe actually went after the parents again. He attacked the parents. He said that the the critical race theory is a dog whistle. It's a racist dog whistle. And these things that are happening, they're not really happening. That this is like uh, attacking Ralph Northam for the the Mexican gang. What is it, MS-13 or whatever? So these things aren't real. These things aren't really a problem. These things aren't really an issue. It's all racist to believe this. Let's see here. If you win, how are you going to work with those parents who have concerns about how things are being taught in schools yeah. across well, the Commonwealth. Let's be very clear here. This is all generated by Glenn Youngkin. This is what MS-13, the Republicans used on Governor Northam four years ago when he was running. They try to find a divisive tactic. If you they try win. to find a divisive tactic. See, parents are realizing progressives really hate them. That's another issue in the undertone. You don't have this wave crashing over right now. You don't have these massive, major bad headlines crashing on the shore. But you've got the undertow to Biden's poll numbers because you've got inflation. You've got the high gas prices. You've got the high grocery prices. You've got the empty shelves. You've got the supply chain problem. And they're attacking you for buying stuff. It's your problem. They're attacking you for showing up at your school boards. They're attacking you saying you're a racist if you are concerned about critical theory. They're going after your 401k. They're going after your investments. They want to tax your gains even though you haven't cast out your cashed out your stock. They want to drive up income taxes on the, the working rich, the people who make uh, $200,000, $300,000 a year and, and they're paying bills and they're sending their kids to private school to get them out of the failing public school and they're now the bad guy. All of the uh, Americans are the bad guys here for the Democrats. And that's why Biden's numbers are low. And by the way, I, I can tell you something. A friend of mine who is in Virginia working with Republicans say some of their polling, they're starting to see Yunkin has pulled ahead in the private polling. It's not for public consumption, but he's starting to pull ahead. And it's because of this stuff. Republicans are starting to, to push it, which is why you're seeing the Democrats amplify their concerns about January 6th. Legit concerns there some of them have. But really, a lot of it is about stirring the pot to try to divide. But that's not going to overcome the contempt they have for you if you don't get the vaccine, the contempt they have for you if you express concerns about your kids' education, the contempt they have for you if you complain about empty store shelves because you're you buy too much anyway. The Democrats love people collectively, but they hate them individually. And it's the individuals who vote, not the collective. And that's why Joe Biden is having problems. Y'all, you can call in 877-973-7425. I saw a Reuters story. You know, the 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 Pope. Now, I you, you should know, 
I grew up Southern Baptist. I would still be Southern Baptist. My wife is ready for us to move back to a Southern Baptist church because that's what she grew up with too. We're in a PCA church. PCA, we put the fun in fundamentalism. We can actually not be ashamed of our glass of bourbon. And a lot of the hymns are the same, except they change them for theological accuracy. <laughs> drives my wife nuts. She's like, where's the old ragged cross? But nonetheless, I digress. I, I am not a Catholic. I have many friends who are Catholic. You know, I grew up not knowing a lot of Catholics, even in South Louisiana. And then got involved in the conservative movement. It's like, everybody's a Catholic. I have friends who converted to Catholicism, and I actually suspect they did it to help them go further in their careers within the conservative movement. But uh, they say they're divine. I'll take them at their word, but I'm like, yeah, not so sure in any event. Reuters says Joe is a devout Catholic. They want you to know he's a devout Catholic. And they say so in context of Joe Biden disagreeing with the Pope. Now, last I checked, and again, I'm not Catholic, but last I checked, if you're a devout Catholic, you're not really disagreeing with the Pope on matters of faith. You can disagree with him on stuff, but not on matters of faith. And the Pope says abortion is murder. And he's not wrong. It is the taking of a human life. You may think that it's it's not the, the baby's not viable, but it, it's human being. And you are taking the life of a human being. That human being has a soul. You're stamping it out. Now, you can disagree with whether or not you should be able to do that since the baby in the early stages is not viable outside the womb. But the Pope says it's murder, and, and Reuters wants you to know Joe Biden is very devout. He's very devout in his faith, even though he disagrees with the Pope. What's remarkable to me is the game the media plays on this. I, I, I got an interview request from some reporters who want to talk to me about evangelicals believing that 2020 was stolen. And my reply to them is that you're using evangelical as a demographic identifier. Like when you think of Jews, you think of an ethnicity. And generally now, when you think of Catholics, you're thinking more of an ethnicity than a religious group. And nowadays, it's becoming increasingly clear that the media thinks of evangelicals as a demographic group. I know a lot of evangelicals, people who would call themselves evangelicals, who don't set foot in the, uh, don't darken the door of a church. They go bass fishing on Sunday instead of to church, but they call themselves evangelical because they're white, they're Southern, and they say they love Jesus even though they don't want to go worshiping. And the media tries to conflate it all together, which is what they're doing here with Joe Biden, that he's a devout Catholic. And you're not allowed to question his faith, you know. Thou shalt not, the most misunderstood. One day I'm going to do a radio monologue. I, 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 I'm going to do this one day. Thou shalt not judge is the most misquoted line in the entirety of Scripture. I'm going to do that one day. Mark my words. I will do an entire monologue on why you're, you know, Jesus tells people in the Bible to judge. He does. Did you know that? One day I'm going to do that. All right. We have to move on. 
because there's news out of Georgia. David Perdue, the former senator, may challenge Governor Brian Kemp at the behest of Donald Trump. And Herschel Walker is seeing the Republicans rally. Mitch McConnell is endorsing Herschel Walker. Relevant national news coming out of Georgia. Now a swing state. Will the Republicans screw it all up? The Democrats hope so. We'll talk about it when we come back. Howdy. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, should you be interested in calling this here program. There is a rumor afoot in Georgia. David Perdue will run against Brian Kemp in the Republican primary for governor. Now, Perdue and his cousin Sonny Perdue, the former agriculture secretary, have been trying to push Trump away from challenging Brian Kemp. Uh, There are multiple conflating rumors. Sonny Perdue, of course, wants to be the uh, head of the Board of Regents for the state of Georgia. He should be, by the way. He would be fantastic. And some people suggest this is a way of putting pressure on Kip to get uh, aggressively behind the Perdue effort, which I think Governor uh, Kemp should do anyway. I think Sonny Perdue would be an excellent uh, head of the Board of Regents in the state of Georgia, and uh, we should make that happen uh, despite the outrage from an organized group of progressives. Notwithstanding all of that, David Perdue, uh, the rumor that I have heard last, last very late last night, about 11 o'clock last night, I got a text message from someone who said there is a strong chance Perdue could announce as soon as today and do an event with Donald Trump on Saturday in Atlanta before the World Series. Donald Trump will be coming to Atlanta for the World Series and that, that might actually – that might be cover – uh, to allow Purdue to get out, say he's doing it, and then organize very quickly a, an introductory event. I very much like David Purdue. Now, I did. You should know, I did not support David Purdue when he first ran for the Senate. I was wrong. He was actually uh, a good guy and way more conservative. I just these CEO types. They go to Washington, and the CEO types they they tend to do whatever leadership tells them to do. David Purdue turned out to be a pretty independent thinker and a good conservative, and I like him. Uh, and I regret I didn't support him and was very supportive of him in 2020, but he did not win in 2020. He he lost to uh, John Ossoff, which is terrible because Ossoff is Ossoff and Purdue should have won. And if he can't win against Ossoff, can he win against Stacey Abrams? But more so, I this is such a bad idea. And I love Purdue, and I, I don't I don't want to speak ill of David Purdue. It's just the state Republicans, they've got to be united. And Kemp has done almost everything right. He opened the state sooner than everyone else. Purdue defended him while Trump attacked him for opening the state sooner. He has not imposed mask mandates. He has fought mask mandates as best he could, but Georgia law just didn't work with him on that purpose. He doesn't. Purdue doesn't need to run. Now, there are those who are backing for – this This would at least get rid of Vernon Jones, thankfully. But I, I wish Purdue would not do this, and I hope he doesn't do this. It would be deeply divisive within the Republican Party and risk Stacey Abrams. And see, now there had been a rumor that Abrams is not going to run for governor in Georgia. And let, let me just explain the thinking on this to you. Abrams in Georgia has been picking the people to run. So for those of you outside of Georgia, 
Stacey Abrams, you hear her nationally, but she has a lot of clout within Georgia behind the scenes, and she's been lining up candidates to run for each of the offices. She picked the person to run for lieutenant governor. She picked the person to run for attorney general. She's picked the person to run for secretary of state. And in large part, one of the things she's doing is trying to build a mostly all-black slate of candidates because the Democrats are worried about black enthusiasm next year. So here in Georgia, as a way to help, it's to give a pretty much all-black slate of candidates other than their attorney general. But lately, the rumor has been Given the political headwinds against the Democrats, if Abrams runs in 2022 and loses, it then hurts her trying to run for president in 2024. Uh Uh-huh. So there's a woman named Jen Jordan. Uh, She's Georgia's version of abortion Barbie. She is a state senator, and she's running for attorney general and making it all about the abortion law, the fetal heartbeat ban. And the rumor is that Abrams is going to try to push her to run for governor so Abrams doesn't have to fall on that sword. And Jordan's actually a pretty sharp candidate. She would still give the Republicans a run for their money, even in 2022. And that would then free up Abrams to run in 2024 for president. And if Abrams doesn't run, if assuming Brian Kemp wins re-election in 2026 – she could run for president or for governor. Now, curiously, Abrams has said in the past she didn't think Georgia would actually flip until 2024. So her belief going into this has always been it would be 2024, but it would take some pushing an organization to do what she's done. But if you do a bloody primary fight between Kemp and Purdue, that makes it more likely that not only does Abrams get in, but that Abrams can win. Because Abrams has piles of money. And Kemp will have to use all of his money to defeat Purdue. And by the way, the the odds would favor, I think, uh, Kemp in that primary just because he is the incumbent governor and he's solidified himself as his own man. And Purdue would be seen as kind of the the Trump puppet. And and Purdue's not, by the way, but Trump has pushed so many people to get in. He he would be – I just – I I wish he wouldn't do it. I hope he doesn't. I hope somebody dissuades him from doing it. I really do because I like the guy and I, I would I would back him. I would absolutely back him. I think he's done nothing wrong. He's been a great governor. And I like David Perdue and, and oh man. But also the Republicans in Washington have now rallied behind Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker's the former University of Georgia football store, went on to the NFL. And Mitch McConnell and and um oh what's his name? Uh John Thune have come out and endorsed him. So that's going to make it more difficult. Now, th- this all gets around. There are a number of good candidates running. I, I very much like Gary Black. He's the ag-, ag commissioner in Georgia. And I like Latham Sadler. He's He's been on the program before talking about Afghanistan. He was a Navy SEAL and, and basically backpacked through Afghanistan, speaks the language, gathered intelligence. Fascinating guy. He may now run for a congressional seat. It's an interesting dynamic out there. But all of these dynamics come here. And this is where I pivot for those who say, I ain't talking about Georgia. The polling is shifting rapidly towards Republicans. The Keystone poll has come out. The Keystone poll is an influential poll in Pennsylvania. Joe Biden is down 35 points. He's There's a 35-point deficit in Joe Biden's popularity in Pennsylvania. That's setting off alarm bells for Democrats because Pat Toomey – the Republican senator there is retiring, 
And in so retiring, you got a a competitive race where Democrats thought they could pick that one up. That hurts Joe Biden in New Hampshire as well. Uh, In New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan, the incumbent Democrat, is polling behind Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, and he's not even a declared candidate. In Arizona, Mark Kelly is now beginning to lose to generic Republican. Generic Republican is not a candidate. Generic Republican is... Would Mark Kelly beat a Republican, any Republican? And the answer is no, apparently no. Notice we haven't seen a lot of polling out of Georgia on Raphael Warnock, who's keeping his head down. Y'all, I'm in Georgia, and Warnock is barely heard from. Outside of the – and, you know, my Democrat friends, oh, I hear from him all the time, but that's the problem. He's focusing on Democrats. He's not focusing on everyone else. And you haven't seen any polling out of Georgia. My suspicion is that he's not doing as well as he could. The polling shifts have tended to benefit the Republicans. And therein lies the Democrats' strategy. And this is why I think David Perdue should not run for the Republicans. The the Democrats are trying to help Republicans self-destruct. And Republicans have a very good habit of self-destructing. Yesterday, Donald Trump released a statement that he would be headed to Arlington, Virginia. Republicans in Virginia lost their poop. They are so close to winning that race. And Joe Biden won Virginia by 10 points. You may like Donald Trump. You may love Donald Trump. But Donald Trump going to Virginia does nothing but incite Democrats who are willing to give Glenn Youngkin the benefit of the doubt. And they will change their mind. Because the Democrats have been trying to paint Glenn Youngkin as an acolyte. In fact, Joe Biden said that. Joe Biden called Glenn Youngkin an acolyte of Donald Trump and and said that uh, they're tied together. How well do you know Terry's opponent? Well, just remember this. I ran against Donald Trump. And Terry is running against an acolyte of Donald Trump. That's Joe Biden. They're trying this, and people are like, oh, Trump took the bait, Trump took the bait, he's going, he's going to ruin, I mean, you should have seen, I'm, I'm on a uh, email list with a group of politicos from Virginia, the Republican side, and they are just beside themselves. Now, Trump has clarified that he's not going before the election, and they're breathing a sigh of relief. Republicans, though, have a tendency to self-sabotage. In situations like in Georgia, you've got a a setup for the governor of Georgia, incumbent Republican, who is popular among Republicans of the state to win re-election, and along comes a Republican challenger to make him spend all of his money in the primary so he can't win the general. This is not good. Republicans have to resist the urge, the the purity urge. Listen, you're getting a guy, he, he doesn't hump Donald Trump's leg, and that's why you want to you want to oppose him? I mean, and that's what it is. Let's be honest here. Uh, at some point, the Republicans who support Donald Trump are going to have to realize not everyone can ride Donald Trump's leg. One, there's not enough room, and two, it's kind of icky. It's what chihuahuas do. And you don't want a chihuahua. They're the most annoying pet. Whoever invented the chihuahua, I hope, was eaten by a group of chihuahuas. I'm sorry. I know people who have chihuahuas. They're the worst dog ever. I mean, dogs look at chihuahuas and they're like, what have you done to our species? They hold their head in shame. Nonetheless, I digress. 
The Democrats are banking on Republican self-sabotage, and the Republicans better not play into their hands. They're trying. This is one reason, by the way. This is why the Democrats keep bringing up January 6th. They're hoping Republicans overplay their hand on it. They're hoping Republicans do something stupid to overplay their hand on the issue of, of January 6th. Please don't. Please don't do it. Here's what's good. If Republicans play their cards right, they're going to take back the House and the Senate. They're probably going to pick up some governor's races as well. Don't don't pay attention. This is like Schrodinger's cat. You know, the, don't, if you look at it, it's one thing. If you don't, it's something else. Don't look at it. Don't look at New Jersey. Don't look at New Jersey. The Republican is within the margin of error in the polling for governor in New Jersey. That's how bad the environment is for the Democrat. Now, the Democrat in New Jersey is going to win. No one thinks the Republican's going to win. If the Republican wins the governor of New Jersey, it is going to be Armageddon for the Democrats next year. The meltdown that you're going to see in Washington is astronomical and absurd. But hey, don't look now, folks. The Democrats in Washington, they're about to sabotage themselves on the issue of reconciliation and the infrastructure bill. The president went to Capitol Hill, tried to push the progressives to vote. And they've said, uh, let's go, Brandon. We'll get into that when we come back. Right now, I want to tell you about Eden Pure. Before I get out of here, Eden Pure is an air purifier that is filterless. You don't have to buy a filter subscription. You just wipe it out every once in a while. It gets rid of the bacteria. It gets rid of the mold. It gets rid of the mildew. More importantly, and this is how I really use mine, it gets rid of odors. So I, they don't like me to talk about this one, but I just, I, this is a true story. It is a legitimately true, really did happen story. I traveled with my Eden Pure Thunderstorm because I was going to Louisiana to my parents and I knew I was going to stay in a musty old hotel. Well, when I got there, whoever had been, whoever had the rental car before me had been hot boxing it. They had been locking the doors, sealing the windows and smoking a lot of weed in the car and it stopped. I mean, I could smell it before I got there. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it works. Got rid of the odors. Took care of me in the musty hotel room as well. And they're so small, you'd hold it in your hand. It's portable. Right now, you can buy a three-pack and save $200, get them for less than $200, and get free shipping. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. You click on my name, Eric Erickson. You'll see the three-pack. Put it in your cart and check out. You'll see a discount code. Put Eric3 in there, E-R-I-C-K, and the number three. No space, Eric3. Click apply, and it'll take $200 off your order. You will get them for less than $200. You will get free shipping, and you'll get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one to travel with. If you got an RV, a camper, a car, you got a basement, you can put them there. They work. Uh, they really do. They eliminate odors. I use them very frequently when I fry in the kitchen because we don't have an exhaust vent. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Click on the Impura Thunderstorm 3-pack. Put it in your cart. Eric3 is your discount code. You can thank me later. Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this year program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I need to talk to you about sports. Now, I got to be honest, and you all know it if you've listened to me for a long time, I'm, I've never been a big sports guy. Until I hit my 40s. You know the great thing about being in your 40s is you can still, like, stay out all night drinking with your friends, and now you got the money to actually drink the good stuff. I can go to Vegas with my 20, 30-something friends and still have a good time, and usually they're the miserable ones. I have all the energy in the world. 
And now I've got the I got the money to burn. I'll I'll, I'll take friends of mine to Vegas. And I, look, I, I'm very blessed. I, I'm and I, I say all the time to God, please be a blessing to me, so I can be a blessing to other people. So when we go to Vegas, I tend to pay for everything. I'll take my friends and take care of their costs. And I don't really gamble. I did play craps the last time I was there, which was actually kind of fun. And I made thousands of dollars and had never played before. Uh, so maybe I'll go do that again. But what I go to Vegas for are the restaurants. They're fantastic restaurants. My favorite Chinese restaurant on planet Earth is in Las Vegas. And what I really like to go do in Vegas is machine guns out of helicopters. Yes, it is as fantastic as it sounds. It is awesome. So we go to Las Vegas and I'll take a helicopter ride into the Grand Canyon and we can shoot machine guns. It's a lot of fun. But... I got into my 40s, started going to Vegas to go shoot machine guns, and also sitting on my front porch on Sunday night with a glass of bourbon and a cigar with friends watching football or baseball or whatever sport is on. And I'm not a big sports guy. And suddenly, I like to just hang out with friends. It's amazing. You you get into a rut when you get married and you have kids, and you don't hang out with your friends anymore. You've got to be deliberative in building community by picking a night a week and just saying to your wife and kids, I have to go be with my friends. And you do. It's good for your mental health to do. If you're a guy, you should be getting together once a week with your friends and just having conversations, drink and smoke cigars if that's your thing or not. Go play golf. Do something with your friends. It's good for your mental health. But I've noticed, like last year, hockey became the sport where you didn't have to deal with the wokes. The NBA has gotten insufferable. The NFL is heading in that direction, and, and it's even creeped in a little bit into Major League Baseball. And then this year, it's pleasantly, with the exception of the, the NFL helmets where they can, can put their Black Lives Matter slogans on the back of the helmets, it's been suddenly, remarkably, mostly political free. Here comes Colin Kaepernick again. He's got a Netflix documentary out that apparently he himself helped, so it is like a hagiography. Uh, you will see him like like die on the cross, martyred. For politics, and then he'll be resurrected three days later. The, the, the dude is insufferable. And CNN has on him and his uh, biographer this morning, and they're trying to recreate the idea that, yes, he lost his job due to politics, which is not true. He just wasn't that good. And you'll recall he tried to get back into the NFL, and he went to Georgia. And the Falcons were going to let him uh, show his stuff at the at the training facility. All the reporters showed up. And then Kaepernick went to some high school field down south of Atlanta by the airport, didn't tell any of the people, so nobody showed up except the reporters he self-selected. And yet again, to the, the, the man is all about himself. He's rather selfish. And he's making a buttload of money. Well, Nike preaches about, about uh, how, how he's a victim, he's a martyr, he, he's for the cause. No. And yet CNN is continuing to perpetuate this. Just when we were getting politics back out of sports, he's got to rear his head again and make it all political again. And I just, I just want to watch sports and not be woked to by the mob. And now a USA Today reporter is coming out and saying he refuses to use the name Braves. These people are just insufferable. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, 
First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For 40 years, Michael Myers has haunted this town. He is the essence of evil, and evil dies tonight. We're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this. I wanna take his mask off and see the life leave his eyes. Happy Halloween, Michael. Halloween kills rated R. Under 17, not admit without parent. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock now. News Source 1 Michiana is still your station for happy and whole in him and school and community. News from Sylvia Stark. Michiana Racing coverage still expounds with Ron Verash and we give a hearty station welcome to Fred Webster who will cover Plymouth and Rochester news. More is coming next. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry, with 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Brenda Connor, identity theft victim. No, I'm Brenda Connor. Too bad it's hard to tell which Brenda is real. That's what you think. I've got LifeLock to monitor my info and alert me to potential identity threats. And if I become a victim, they help fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help protect what's mine. How about that, Brenda? Thought so. Join LifeLock by Norton and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. Anti-Defamation League tweeted out, to remind everybody to avoid cultural appropriation stereotypes and costumes that perpetuate gender norms. Oh, for the love. Every Halloween, somebody tries to ruin everybody else's fun. Everything sucks out loud. So just letting people have been sitting at home for two years. Let people just stop it. ADL was supposed to fight anti-Semitism and instead they become super lefty partisan over the past several years. And there's, I see a lot of, I see a lot of people who do this. They say, discuss gendered messages and costumes. Shut up. Costumes targeted to boys place a heavy emphasis on superheroes. Yeah, there's probably a reason why. 
You realize that no one trains girls to like princesses, right? They don't go to like princess school. They don't go to training. That's what girls gravitate to. No one tells them this is your color pink and you have to like pink. No one tells them this. This is what they gravitate to. Same thing with boys. No one tells them that or trains them to like superheroes. What I find most amazing about this is the hypocrisy of it all. Because at the same time, parents and everybody else are told, do not present uh, to boys and girls options like superheroes for boys and princesses for girls or blue, the color blue for boys and the color pink for girls. You know, that's... That is, uh, that's, you know, gender stereotyping and we've, you know, that's bad. We can't do that. But at the same time, if a boy likes the color pink or a girl likes a superhero, then it's, well, they could be transgendered because of the exact same stereotypes that they protest against. Amazing, isn't it? Mm. So they say, uh, respect different beliefs, include all people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, like for, so you remember how my mom told, like dressed me as a hobo one year? Well, you don't remember cause you, you know, but I have pictures of it. They like, they, they slam that. They go, why dress, talk about why dressing like a person who is poor, like hobos or rednecks depicts people from low income households as stereotypes and is hurtful. This sounds like it was written by a bougie snob. Just because someone's a redneck doesn't mean they're poor. Cynthia doesn't mean they're poor. You know, I, I, I mean, they're all rich rednecks. Just saying. And hobos are funny. You, are there actually hobos anymore? For, <laughs> serious question. When's the last time you ever saw a hobo? When's the last time you've seen a hobo, Kane? You know, I can't tell. I love how Kane's like, golly, I'll go to the mic for this. I, just, I didn't jot it down on my calendar. But, I mean, hobos were part of TV shows and movies and things like that back then, at least. So it stands to reason back then you would have dressed up as a character you've seen in TV or movies. I mean, a hobo was someone who who chose to not work, as I understand it. You know, a hobo was someone who, and and you could also, also do it as a verb. My favorite thing on Wikipedia, notable persons, notable hobos, notables who have hoboed. <laughs> yeah, this is the best thing ever. Oh, man. I totally went as a hobo one year. My mom dressed me up. Yeah, they, that was the whole thing. They, they, they didn't want to work. And they had like a fairly conservative code, right? Yeah. I mean... Like they like pedophiles, they were garbage and they would, you know, go after them. And they had hobo court, basically, and all this stuff. I mean, there there's a reason. But you you made your own way and you wanted to live outside of the system. Basically, that's what a hobo was. They just did their own thing. It wasn't necessary. You can't you can't conflate it with a bum. Like learn your terminology about the voluntarily homeless. Stop it. I do love it. Notable hobos. Hobos who have, or notables who have hoboed. George Orwell hoboed. Did you know that? What? Jack London hoboed. Yeah, notables who have hoboed. Yeah, for real, dude. Uh, W.H. Davies hoboed. Uh, Robert Mitchum hoboed. Jack London hoboed. Uh, Who else? Woody Guthrie, apparently. Totally not surprised. Uh, Yeah. George Orwell all those people hoboed. It's kind of what it, it is. And then they had notable hobos, right? People who got, uh, people who were famous for it. 
So, yeah, my mom dressed me up as a, a hobo and I had a plaid shirt over a Schlitz beer shirt and a postal worker's hat and she put sad clown makeup on me and I stuffed, I tied a pillow with a jump rope uh, under my shirt and I walked around with um, a pillow sack and uh, I had uh, a, an empty crushed beer can in my hand and that was my costume. We kept it real, man. We kept it real. What if you what if you were poor as I was and you dress as someone else who is poor? Is that appropriation? Because that's what I did. So can I get mad if I see a progressive dressing as a pirate? I'm coming for you because I had an ancestor who was a pirate hung off the Carolinas. My ancestry, my culture isn't your costume. Is that how it goes, Kane? Right. Yeah. My yeah. culture isn't your costume. Yeah. OK, there you go. Don't you dare be dressing it like no pirates. I don't have anybody who was a hobo, but, you know, I grew up poor, so maybe that's, you know, could go. Who cares, though? Who cares? It's Halloween. Shut up. I'm going as an anime character for Halloween. It's not cosplay. Stop it. I'm dressing in a Halloween, a Halloween costume. I'm being very particular about this. It's not, I'm not, you know, cosplaying. I'm dressing as for Halloween. That's it. I'm going to, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. But I am. You don't ever dress up, do you? I haven't, I haven't in a long time. Because you're a grown man. And but, you don't do yeah, that, though, but, right? You know. So? If I get the inkling, I'll Steve, do Steve, do you ever dress up? I don't go, like, trick-or-treating or anything. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. That would be weird. I mean, people, but, have, people have, like, house parties or, like, you know, have some people over and then you dress up. But it only stays on for a few hours, so I usually don't put a lot of effort into it. But even if there isn't a party, do you ever just, like, on Halloween dress up in a costume and drink wine alone? No. Or with your spouse or your significant other? Uh, I don't have See, one. See, that's also no. good, too. You're like, no, Dana, what? No, I'm just saying. Because, like, you know, as the kids, like, started getting older and they would go to other people's houses and then, like, trick-or-treaters around us would get older and they would go into other people's houses. And so that's, you know, it just would end up, ooh, something spooky's happening. Light went off. It would just end up that, yeah, you just, like, you'd just be handing out candy at your house and that's about it. This year, Caltech is celebrating 30 years of game-changing innovation and performance. A privately owned family company that began making one-of-a-kind American-made firearms in 1995. In 1999, Caltech launched their brand on the scene by forever redefining the concealed carry handgun. And from that point on, Caltech continues to innovate and create never-before-seen firearms, pistols, rifles, and shotguns alike, never copying firearms, always innovating new ones. Caltech believes in respect, family, the right to bear arms, and in the love we all have for our great country. They do things right. All Caltech firearms are proudly made right here in America in a true family culture that embraces every employee and where people are genuinely happy to come to work. The Caltech's commitment to innovation and quality truly sets them apart. Find out more about Caltech firearms by visiting caltechweapons.com for a deeper dive on all aspects of their innovative firearms. That's caltechweapons.com to learn more about my friend at Caltech. Caltech, game-changing innovation and performance. Deloitte is the world's largest professional services network, and there's a reason for that. Consistency. But how does a giant global company provide consistency? Easy. With ServiceNow Digital Workflows, they connect all 300,000 plus of their professionals on a single platform, the Now Platform. So whether someone works in Indonesia, Mexico, or any other of the 148 countries they operate in, ServiceNow helps Deloitte perform their work from a common and connected place. They can leverage the same powerful tools they need to adapt to changing markets and get the same proactive support they need to thrive. 
And with ServiceNow workflows for IT, Deloitte can easily consolidate and scale their technology so professionals can access it wherever they are. So, how does Deloitte keep a consistently high standard for global clients? With ServiceNow workflows that keep a consistently high standard for global professionals. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. Learn more at servicenow.com. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, the holidays. It's that time again. Yep. So I went to Kohl's and got 30% off holiday decor and St. Nicholas Square finds for the table. Perfect for the fam. And started on my gift list with toys my kids will love. Okay, you're convincing me. Oh, and did I mention the extra 20% off and the $10 off when you spend 50 bucks? Kohl's, here I come. Select styles. Offer ends October 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So here's something else the administration is looking to do. Ban cash bail for violent criminals in the interest of equity. Now, you remember they had done this they had done this in New York. And the results in New York were awful. They were awful. And it ended up they actually had to, they removed it. They started walking it back. It was really, really bad. Uh, and it actually contributed to an increase in crime, believe it or not. They actually commissioned one study, and it did show an increase in crime. Dave Chappelle's documentary, according to the New York Post, has been pulled by distributors because people are mad over the transgender criticism. The documentary chronicled his efforts to have stand-up shows during the pandemic in his neighbor's Ohio cornfield. And all of the invitations to film festivals were rescinded because everybody's a racist. I'm just going to go with that's the progressive line, right? Right? Them's the rules. Them's the rules. Also, uh, let's see here. I got a couple of other things. The Chicago mayor was booed off the stage at a fundraiser by a union that had previously endorsed her because nobody likes her anymore. Uh, the attendee said she only spoke for a minute before she was drowned out in booze. It was a fundraiser for Plumbers Union Local 130. Drowned out in booze. Nobody wanted to hear her. Nobody wanted it. Starbucks is set to raise the minimum wage for its overpriced burnt beans uh, by uh, the fifth by fifteen dollars next summer. They said that hourly wages to start at fifteen could be as high as twenty three dollars for baristas. Baristas, depending on tenure and market. They said that average hourly wages for employees are currently $14 an hour. Uh, they said that uh, people who have been with the company for two years, they could see they could be expected to see that increase. Hmm. Uh, also, Terry McAuliffe's campaign is accused of having taken $350,000 uh, by a company owned by British National. And that actually runs afoul of federal uh, campaign finance laws. Which I think are all silly. But hey, if we're going to go by that, the Dems the rules. So that's how you got to do it. He's guilty then. And apparently, this was interesting. Uh, I guess it, it was reported that Alec Baldwin's father was a rifle, was a rifle coach at school. Interesting. Somebody, it was, uh, who was it? Jonathan Turley had, uh, what was, was, was uh, reporting this. this was over at Just the News. Very interesting. Have you guys seen some of the woke things? I don't know why Twix just can't make a candy bar. They had, I didn't watch it. I mean, at least like on television, I ended up seeing the ad on YouTube. So Twix has this ad. And first off, bite size is what they started calling fun size stuff because they realized fun size was a lie. It is 
not fun. And I'm surprised with as litigious as our society is that we actually haven't uh, had a lawsuit over that with someone say, stating that they did not have any more fun with this size as opposed to a regular size candy bar. So anyway, Twix has this has this uh, commercial where it's a it's Halloween and a boy decides he wants to go as a princess and they made this. There's like nothing about their candy bars in this at all. At all whatsoever. And it has like a, an actress who's doing like her worst impersonation of uh, Winona Ryder's character in Beetlejuice. And it's, I don't understand the point of this whole thing, but they, and then at the very end, they're like, oh, happy Halloween Twix. By the way, we sell candy bars. Is it a candy bar? Technically? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think they say they're a Are cookie. Are you saying a cookie though? Yeah. I think they say they're a cookie. Could be. I think they're liars. It's the only divisive candy out there. It's left and right. It's like saying a hot dog's a sandwich, though, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. It's it weird. Is. It's like that. This ad, though, it's like, who, why do you got to be doing this? This, Why does this... If you preach at me, look, if you just make a good product, even if you disagree with me on issues, if you make a good product and you sell me on the goodness of your product, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I like... I mean, who doesn't like chocolate? Chocolate, check. Caramel, check. Whatever the hell the wafer thing is, check. You know, all the chemicals and stuff in it, check. Great. <laughs> but then when you're when you sit here and you cram this stuff down my throat and you try to virtue signal and do all this other stuff, then that makes me think that you suck at making candy bars because your commercial also sucks. So I just, I don't want to get your candy bar now. And that has nothing to do with disagreeing with you politically. It just makes me think that you're lame. And if you're that lame in a commercial, you're probably, you're probably going to be, your product's going to be lame, right? So that's like one of the, just, just make your candy cookie thing bar. Just make it. That's all anyone's asking. No one's asking anything else of you. So in addition to that, we got, let me pull this up. Have you all seen Coco, the movie? I thought it was super cute. I saw it when it came out. And there is a, now Doritos has released a commercial celebrating uh, the LGBT community and uh, Dia de los Muertos, where they have the tale of Uncle Alberto, who arrives at his grave as family are placing their gifts upon the altar. And then he shows up from the other side and greets his family. And then he brings his ghost partner. And so you have two dead dude ghosts holding hands. I mean, that's a stretch, man, with the virtue signaling. How does this happen? How did this meeting, how was this discussed? Like, okay, they imagine the boardroom. And you have a bunch of like over-eager millennials sitting there. in their their appropriated, really cringe 90s fashion. Okay, so what, like, if, like, we do this, what if we have Alberto come back from the dead? Now, wait a minute, this is, this is all to sell potato chips, correct? Yes. What if we have Uncle Alberto come back from the dead, and as he's greeting the family, then he brings his dead boyfriend with him? Now, was the dead boyfriend, was he, was he the boyfriend in real life? No, he met him in the ghost world. There's the whole backstory we're not getting into this is still to sell chips correct yes i mean i look at this i'm like doritos wtf what whiskey tango foxtrot what's this are you a chip or what are you 
this is so, it tries so hard. It's so hard. Honestly, and two, Kane, you can probably answer to this. I just have a feeling that the audience, that uh, the culture from which this, this film was taken may not, I don't think that this kind of advertising resonates with that culture. They couldn't care less because there's literally no correlation. There's none. And isn't it kind of offensive also? Yeah, I imagine people, if they feel like they're being sold chips under this premise, yeah, that is pretty offensive. I mean, are the chips gay? (sighs) We know the frogs are gay. Try our gay Doritos. We just don't know about the chips. (laughs) Like, I'm just... It's just too much. It's just too much. Stop. Right? It would be the same thing if he came back and had like a la- a girlfriend. It does have nothing to do with selling chips. What are you selling here? I cannot stand the corporate virtue signaling. These are the worst ads in the history of ads. I have a friend that works in advertising and I want to text them about these ads and just let them make fun of them because they'll be able to do in a professional way and go after things that I didn't even see. <sighs> So this is like, by the way, they were selling tater chips in case you were wondering. If you enjoy wine and you're tired of drinking the boring $10 grocery store, Strawberry Hill, you need to try the extreme altitude wine that comes from the mountains of Argentina. Imagine pouring a glass with your dinner that comes directly from the highest vineyards in the entire world. That's 6,000 to 9,000 feet, any higher, and the grapes wouldn't be able to survive. What does all this mean for the wine? A flavor unlike any wine you've ever tasted. Blackberry, leather, smoke, and a little dark cherry. This stuff packs a punch. And nature does all the work. That means no dyes and no flavor additives. The wine is almost impossible to get in the U.S. The small family producers deep in the Andes Mountains make limited quantity of these bottles. Just getting the wine down from the mountain unbroken and undrank is a challenge. The guys over at Bonner Private Wines have cracked the code to getting these rare wines to Americans. They've cut out the middleman, so you're not going to deal with any big industry markup. Visit conservativewines.com and you'll get top quality extreme altitude wine for about half the price. My listeners get 50% off the wine and 50% off the shipping. No need for a promo code. Just visit conservativewines.com. That's conservativewines.com. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 200 engaging programs online. GCU integrates the free market system and its welcoming Christian worldview perspective into its academic programs and throughout our online campus. GCU's online students received over $100 million in scholarships in 2020. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. For 40 years, Michael Myers has haunted this town. He is the essence of evil, and evil dies tonight. We're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this. I wanna take his mask off and see the life leave his eyes. Happy Halloween, Michael. Halloween Kills, rated R, under 17, not admit without parent, in theaters and streaming only on Peacock now. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. 
It's time for Florida Man. <laughs> All right. So first up, <laughs> what in the world? <sighs> a drunk Florida man tried to use a taco as an ID after his car caught on fire at Taco Bell. I really want Taco Bell right now, actually. Uh, it was from off the beat. 30-year-old Florida man decided to make a run for the fourth meal. He downed some beers. That's not good. You can't get in your car after that. And then hopped up in his pickup places order, got his taco before he fell asleep. But then he literally just was sleeping in the pickup window. And people were getting mad because they were waiting. And then uh, when uh, officers arrived, they asked for his ID and he handed them a taco. And... They noticed he fell asleep with his foot on the accelerator while his truck was in park. While this was happening, his engine had caught fire. And they had to get fire extinguishers to put it out. His blood alcohol content was between 0.227 and 225. That's like three times the legal limit. So he had DUI charges. That's insane. That is crazy. How would you... I mean, dang. That... I'm telling you what. Uh, let's see here. A Florida woman got into a shootout in her driveway over stolen puppies. Ooh. Now, a Florida woman was involved in a shootout Monday night. She was, or they, somebody came in and stole her pups. Like, her actual puppies. Three teenagers who could be seen in the ring video, uh, broke into her property. She thought that she, that the group was there to inquire about them, but they, they, uh, she said something seemed off, and that's when, uh, they forced their way in, grabbed her, and there was a struggle and they were trying to physically restrain her and uh, drag her out. Uh, they tried to put a gun to her head. They took off with two uh, micro bully puppies. And they didn't leave quietly. They shot at her. And that's when she returned fire. She grabbed her gun and returned fire. So she wasn't actually in the wrong because they were actually trying to kill her. And they were on her property. And they were still coming at her and posing a legal threat. So that's all that stuff like comes into play. That's insane though. Holy cow. You know, they, and this is why I always tell people too, if you ever notice the home invasion stuff, it's never just like one person. Whenever you're like, why does anyone need that many rounds? Because it's usually two or more people. It's rarely just one person that does a home invasion. And they are not as infrequent as you would think. Uh, let's my my story, my favorite story this week is still uh, the uh, massive fight at the dog show. But I will say that, uh, or the guy may be chasing people with the machete, but I don't like people who you know, try to hurt other people. This Florida woman punched a KFC drive-thru employee and then she was charged with child abuse because she punched a 16-year-old because of bad service, she said. 23-year-old Alexandra Maldano was arrested. You can't punch the drive-thru employees. Okay, don't do that. Don't, don't, Don't be like that, Cynthia. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Michigan, this is the story of Ian. I was given a second chance on life when I received a kidney transplant. It allowed me to get back to my daily routine, and then COVID hit. So when I heard about the vaccine, I was so excited to get it so that I could be protected. But I am one of the thousands of Michiganders who is unable to build up immunity. My hope is that everyone can live their lives to the fullest because we are all protected. Find your vaccine at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. 
J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Have you enjoyed listening to The John Schaefer Show? Now dot you can watch him on our Facebook group. The John Schaefer Show. Posted on the weekend on News Source 1 Michiana Facebook group. You live an electric life. We're here to keep it going. We're Energy Harbor, chosen by nearly 1 million customers like you for safe, reliable, sustainable energy. Energy Harbor. Live with power. Today on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Voters of Virginia will soon have their say. And there's no desire to have Terry McAuliffe back as their next governor. A Yale epidemiologist speaks out. I've seen so much cherry-picked evidence over the last year and a half from the CDC and the FDA that it makes me question the, the veracity of those people. Senator Ernst blasts Democrats for writing bills in secret. This is a radical shift from the way we do business here in the United States. And an economist examines Biden's desire to tax and spend. This isn't about stimulating the economy. It is a radical Marxist redistribution of income in the United States that is going to make everyone poor. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Great to be with you. Catch my program each weekday morning live, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time and on demand 24-7. Learn more at HughHewitt.com. And follow me on Twitter, at Hugh Hewitt. Follow this program as well at Town Hall Review. This coming Tuesday, all eyes will be on the state of Virginia. As voters choose between Terry McAuliffe, a former governor and Democratic insider, big wheel in D.C., friend of Bill Clinton, and Republican Glenn Youngkin very successful businessman making his first run for public office. They'll choose between McAuliffe, one of the many Democrats from yesterday who have adopted highly progressive ideals, and Yunkin, that fresh face with business savvy who puts parents ahead of school boards. President Joe Biden won the state by 10 points in 2020, and McAuliffe won the state by more than five points the last time he ran in 2013. But this round, all the momentum is with the Republican Yunkin. Both Barack Obama and Joe Biden have stumped for McAuliffe as polls show he is in trouble against Yunkin. Democrats also brought in Kamala Harris, Jill Biden, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Stacey Abrams, and just about any other Democrat with name recognition who could get on a plane. President Biden held a rally in the state one week before Election Day, and the numbers were amazingly small. The President of the United States cannot generate any enthusiasm for Terry McAuliffe. Many voters think is a retread and indifferent to their concerns as parents. I spoke with the Republican, Glenn Youngkin, on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Why is the president shouting at you, uh, Glenn Youngkin? Well, because it's, it's, the, it's the last-ditch effort of a failing campaign. I mean, they are desperate, and they're just grasping for their last-ditch efforts. They're doing what they only, only thing they know to do, which is to literally go back to the the 43-year playbook that Terry McAuliffe wrote for the Democratic Party. He wrote this. I mean, he's the godfather of all of this. He wrote it, and so they have to go back to their 
to their dog whistle issues of of accusing people of being extremist and and you know calling us racist and everything else. That's all they got. Virginians aren't buying it, Hugh. They're not buying it. As Virginia schools go, so will the schools of the rest of the country. In other words, if you arrive in Richmond with the authority and the ability to get schools into a coherent situation, both as to CRT and to COVID, it will spread. It will spread across the country. So it's up to Virginia's moms to put you in. How do you feel about that? Well, this is this is the defining issue down the stretch, because at the end of the day, Terry McAuliffe can't explain why he thinks parents shouldn't have a role in their kids' education. He just can't do it because there's no explanation. All he wants is big government to stand between parents and their kids so that they, in fact, can continue to do what the left liberal progressive party wants to do, which is which is to keep individual rights in the, in the drawer and have big government decide everything. That's what it is. And, and oh, by the way, Hugh, this education issue flies right in the face of, of the entire left establishment. I mean, it's not just big government. It's Hollywood. It's everybody else. And so this is why down the stretch here, this basic issue of parents having a fundamental right to be engaged in their kids' education is one that Terry McAuliffe can't explain because he knows the answer is just so offensive to so, pe- so many people, why he thinks big government should, should uh, impose on parents' rights, and why parents are all standing up with us. I mean, this is it, not a campaign. It is a movement now. It is a movement, and I was called last night by my daughter, who saw my schedule, and said, please ask Glenn Youngkin if he will get the Virginia schools some common sense on COVID. Now, two of my three grandchildren have COVID, but the, the oldest one who hasn't and has tested negative four times can't go to school for 24 days in Virginia. Uh, and so I'm curious, Glenn Youngkin, have you heard the, the quarantine rules along with the CRT in Loudoun County, along with the attempt to marginalize parents at Terry McAuliffe? Have you heard that the COVID rules are driving moms crazy? Yeah, I mean, parent, parents have had it. They've just had it across the board. I mean, think about it. You had started with parents standing up for one simple basic request, open our schools. And last spring, the, the uh, left liberal progressive leaders wouldn't open the schools when, when we saw schools open across the country and Virginia's kids were falling behind. And, and then all of a sudden they got to see during, during this pandemic what was being taught to their children and said, wait a minute, you're teaching my children what to think? No, 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 no. You've got to teach my kids how to think. It's my goal. It's my right to, to, to tell my kids and discuss at dinner tables what we think as a family. And then all of a sudden, here we have the schools again. There's still there's I mean, I had parents yesterday walking up. I got to get my kids back in school, please. They're being sent home for no reason. At the end of the day, Hugh, this is fundamentally about parents rights. And Terry McAuliffe doesn't believe that parents should have any. And it's not about anything else. They're going to conflate this issue with a whole bunch of other topics because it's all they've got. And let me just be really clear. Parents have a fundamental right to be engaged in their kids' education, and Terry McAuliffe doesn't believe so. That is, that is what he said he's attempted to run away from. It's always a good rule of thumb that if your opponent is talking about you and your uh, arguments on the closing stretch, you, Glenn Youngkin, are winning. What do you do in the final days with the weekend ahead of you, with the last sprint ahead of you? The crowds are huge, and, and I'm meeting with voters. And it's not just Republicans. It's independents. It's Democrats. I mean, we are winning the independence by double digits. Democrats are literally flocking to our side. And this is because we're talking about the issues that are most important to Virginians. Yes, schools and parents' rights, but also low taxes and the best jobs and safe communities. And oh, by the way, how about government that works for us and doesn't tell us what to do all the time? This is what Virginians want to talk about. 
And this is why Terry McAuliffe, all he can do is bring in another personality after another personality, throw rock concerts or anything he can do in order to try to get people to show up. But people are not not showing up for him because there's no energy, there's no enthusiasm, and there's no desire to have Terry McAuliffe back as their next governor. While few scientists argue against the benefits of vaccination, many question the efficacy of mask mandates, especially among young children. My friend and colleague Dennis Prager brought that up with Dr. Harvey Reich, Yale professor of epidemiology. What about for children at school? For children at school, there's there's very little evidence that children, young children, spread the infection very much. There's one study that just came out that that purports to show high levels of virus in the nose of children, just uh, just like adults. But but virus in the nose does not translate into the ability to spread it, and that's an inference. What we know about the empirical studies looking at uh, infected children versus infected adults and spread within their families, within their home dwelling units, is that children are very, very infrequently the, the causes spread to other family members. It's almost always the adults spread to children, not the other way around. So we know from empirical uh, studies that children don't spread the infection. And that being the case, there's little rationale for putting, uh, you know, masking children where we don't know that the, benefit, that the mask has appreciable benefit on top of the fact that the children don't really spread the infection very much. Why do airlines have to have children two and older wear masks? The reason for regulation is beyond my pay grade. That's a big, uh, that's a big statement. That's very important that you said that. Because your pay grade is very high. You're a professor of epidemiology. <laughs> so if it's above your pay grade, it means it's completely irrational. So let me ask you to simply guess. Why do you think something so patently absurd is the case? I think that there's a lot of fear. People are afraid. Companies are afraid. Everybody is just following orders from above and goes all the way up the chain of companies to their top. And even those people may be afraid. And for that reason, we see policies that look like they have face value, not to be a pun there, but that may not have any real value, and masking may fall into that category. You know, it seems at initial look that it's a harmless thing to do. We know that it's not, but that the degree of harm is still, for most people, relatively small, And but over a long term and long hours may be, you know, less small. But that companies are doing this is because their legal teams are probably afraid that if, if some epidemic were to break out, that they would be accused of not doing everything they could to prevent it, and therefore they put all possible these kinds of protective, so-called protective measures in place, so that they're legally protected. And I think that so. You so that's interesting. So it, it, is it your assumption? And I understand nobody knows the answer, but is it your assumption that uh, if the CDC and FDA announced it is unnecessary for children under the age of 16, just to pick an age, to be masked on an airplane. You think the airplanes, the airlines would continue to enforce it? Probably not. They would have. See, that's the whole point, that companies, institutions all point up the chain to somebody else taking the responsibility for their decision. Good. So who is giving, who is giving this order? That's a good question. 
uh, I think that the CDC has has put a lot of these messages out, um, and I think that uh, government representatives, you know, have chimed in on on the same thing, on various advisory panels and at various um, so-called experts have made public statements on this, and I think that has colored the general perception about this. So you're an epidemiologist, and the CDC is composed in part of epidemiologists. How do you explain they're giving orders that you don't think are rational? I really can't explain the behavior of of people who cherry-pick the evidence, and I've seen so much cherry-picked evidence over the last year and a half from the CDC and the FDA that it makes me question the, the veracity of those people. And, and I think part of it involves what I call noble lying, that people in those institutions think that they know better how to get the population to comply with what those institutions think are promoting health behaviors. And I don't think that it's honest. I think that lying to the general population when you know the truth but you think that you want to compel behavior is dishonest and when the population finds out about that they get extremely angry and rightly so go to townhallreview.com for the entire interview coming up democrats work on spending bills in secret this is a radical shift from the way we do business here in the united states the town hall review returns in a moment Grounded in our distinctive Great Books curriculum, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy prepares students for exciting careers in politics who understand the relevance of America's founding principles to today's policy challenges. From our Southern California campus, we've sent over 1,000 alumni across America and around the world. The application period for fall 2022 classes has begun. Find out more at pepperdine.edu spp. That's pepperdine.edu spp. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Among her committee assignments, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst is on the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Committee. She's keenly aware of the difficulties business face as Biden administration first gave people money to stay home and now looks to increase taxes on those same struggling businesses. Making matters worse, Democrats are preparing legislation that will impact these businesses in complete secrecy. Not only are the American people kept in the dark, so, too, are the Republicans. I spoke this week with Senator Ernst. What could go wrong, Senator? Oh, heavens, what could go wrong? Absolutely everything could go wrong. And we we have been discussing some of these proposals that the Democrats are coming up with. And, of course, you are absolutely correct. We haven't seen anything in writing, which is very typical uh, around this place. But what they're proposing is, you know, the billionaires could be taxed on what what's called unrealized capital gains on their liquid assets, meaning, um, you know, wealthy billionaires, uh, they would be taxed on things like uh, stocks or other assets like real estate, where they actually haven't seen any money yet. It's, It's unrealized. Well, how do you do that? And what happens if you lose money in your stock portfolio? Does the government give you money back? Um, it's it's a crazy scheme, and I guess we'll just have to have IRS agents living with billionaires so they can figure all this stuff out. What I'm most worried about, Senator, is they shoot for billionaires, 
and they hit uh, millionaires. And by that, I mean there are people who own a lot of land, especially in your state, who are farmers, who are land rich and income poor. I also understand that there are some, yeah, cash poor. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are going to be built on income, which is a terrible way to tax people on income because income doesn't mean anything unless you know how much the expense ratio is. But mostly I can't believe trying to rewrite the American tax code in secret. They need they need the wisdom of the crowd here. They need a lot of people to look at this. And you have, you're a senator. You haven't seen it yet? No, of course not, Hugh. Don't be <laughs> silly. Yeah, you, hey, this is important, and I hope people understand this. As so many bills that are being proposed right now add substantial cost to the American taxpayer and radical uh, change from the way we do business across the United States is all being done in secret. It's not going through the typical, uh, the typical committee process, subcommittee process. It's not being presented in written form so that people can scrutinize it provide input. Uh, What they're doing is negotiating behind closed doors. We see that going on down at the White House and with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And again, this is a radical shift from the way we do business here in the United States. And it's not just the cost of the proposals they're putting forward, but it is the changes in policy which lead to socialism with a radical expansion of welfare programs. And I also see the attempt by Senator Durbin, your neighbor to the to the uh, east, to, the to try east. and write in an immigration amnesty. And Senator Cotton has been warning about this. I never yeah. really thought it was true, but it's reported today. They're trying to, even though the parliamentarian has told both sides of the aisle, you can't do this in reconciliation. They're not giving up and you can't see it. So you can't raise an alarm. No, and and again, all the negotiation in secret, and policy is not supposed to be wrapped up in this. It does have to be related to uh, the budget. However, we see they're trying, desperately trying to tie various pieces of immigration legislation into this bill. Now, um, we'll have to see what the text is, but we do believe it won't fit into reconciliation, but that doesn't stop the Democrats. Um, So they're going to try to pull whatever they can into this massive tax and spend bill and, uh, and again, radically change the way we do business across the United States. The city of Chicago has announced they will pay $500 a month to low-income families. As it is, businesses are struggling to find workers. Dennis Prager discussed this new initiative with economist Stephen Moore. So you're from Chicago. What do you say? Raises. I think what we're doing is paying people not to work. And that's at the city level, it's at the state level, and obviously at the federal level. Everything is free. Everything is free. Daycare is free. Kindergarten is free. We're going to pay people $300 a month per child. We're going to, if you can't pay your student loans, well, the government's going to pay it for you. If you can't pay your rent, the government's going to pay it for you. So I see this as the famous ancient problem when people realize they can vote for people who will give them money. Right. That ends democracy as we know it. You know, that is the ancient Chinese proverb, and we are moving in that direction. But, you know, I think we don't have this socialism in our DNA. 
I think the American people will reject it. We believe in a social safety net. We believe in people giving you know, giving people a second chance. And, and everybody, look, I've lost before and we have you know programs to help people but the idea that you can basically live on welfare and and in many cases more money than you could on the job that's recipe for disaster that's right that when people realize that they could vote people into office who will give them free money that is sort of the beginning of the end of a democracy your response in part is that the american dna rejects that i don't know if the american dna has been changed i think we received a socialist vaccination that seems to be working with many people who go to college anyway i have a few more questions one is about the two trillion versus 3.5 trillion dollar bill uh, uh, measure right right so is it simply a difference in level of of horror, or is or is it meaning a meaningful difference? Not much. I mean, all they're doing is they're using phony baloney, fake accounting to uh, to try to shrink the price tag of this because Americans are horrified by this price tag. And let's not forget, Dennis. Remember, at the beginning of the year, Biden passed a two trillion dollar. Uh, what, what I call the blue state bailout, bailing out California and Illinois and New York and New Jersey because they shut down their economies. Now we know, incidentally, what the, what the states and cities are using that money for. When you mentioned Chicago's going to take federal money and pay out $500 uh, you know, for every uh, poor person in the city. Why don't they use that money to hire police, by the way? <laughs> the crime rate is out of control in Chicago. It just shows the perverted pri- uh, priorities of many uh, Democrats. But uh, so we had $2 trillion at the beginning of the year that we couldn't afford. Then we had a trillion dollars for the sham infrastructure bill, which is really just Green New Deal bill. And then they have three and a half trillion dollars for the social welfare spending bill. And that's on, and people get confused. That's on top of the six trillion dollar annual budget. Dennis, so you add that up. You're talking about 10, 11, 12 trillion dollars of spending in one year. We've never seen anything like this. Normally in the United States throughout our history, from the Revolutionary War through this pandemic, when we have a crisis, we borrow money, right? We borrow money to finance the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War II, et cetera, even the Cold War uh, and the the Great Depression. Um, But once the crisis is over, then we start to actually pay down the debt. This is the first time in American history that Joe Biden is proposing a massive uh, multi-trillion dollar spending blowout, and the crisis is over. This isn't about stimulating the economy. It is a radical Marxist redistribution of income in the United States that is going to make everyone poor. Coming up, records obtained show that the dogs endured months of pain, and once researchers were done with them, they were killed. Dr. Fauci in trouble once again when the Town Hall Review returns in a moment. Grounded in our distinctive Great Books curriculum, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy prepares students for exciting careers in politics who understand the relevance of America's founding principles to today's policy challenges. From our Southern California campus, we've sent over 1,000 alumni across America and around the world. The application period for fall 2022 classes has begun. Find out more at pepperdine.edu spp. That's pepperdine.edu spp.
Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. This week, a series of stories examined more trouble at the National Institutes of Health. Fauci denied gain-of-function research at Wuhan. But according to Vanity Fair, NIH now admits funding the research in Wuhan. In addition, the NIH has been accused of providing a grant to a lab in Tunisia, which members of tortured and killed dozens of beagle puppies in so-called scientific experiments. Here's Salem host Mike Gallagher. The National Institutes of Health is admitting gain-of-function research. This is Vanity Fair that documents that have been released obtained through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the NIH resulted in a letter that the NIH sent that admitted gain-of-function research. When Vanity Fair reports that Rand Paul was onto something, now you know that's really something. Rand Paul is owed an apology by Dr. Anthony Fauci. Remember when Fauci pointed his finger at Rand Paul and essentially called him a liar? Said he didn't know what he was talking about? It appears Senator Rand Paul did know what he was talking about. And Rand Paul had plenty to say about it. After this letter, and the mainstream media isn't touching this either. The corrupt scoundrels of the MSM aren't touching this. They don't want Americans to, listen, how much lower can Biden's approval ratings go? Trump was on to something when he was distancing himself from Fauci and this whole bunch. Here's here's uh, Senator Rand Paul talking to Mike Allen of Axios after this bombshell revelation that the NHI, NIH has been caught apparently red-handed funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. So, Senator, you had a hot tweet. You said, I told you so, doesn't even begin to cover it here. What should happen next? Well, he should be fired. I mean, the thing is, he still... Dr. Fox, you should be fired absolutely. by the president. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, is... Just for lack of judgment, if nothing else, I don't, you know, he's probably never going to admit that he lied. He's going to continue to dissemble and try to work around the truth and massage the truth. Let me go out on a limb. President Biden is not going to fire Dr. Fauci. So what can Congress do or what are you going to try to do? We're calling for an investigation uh, and, and hearings on this. We've been calling for that for months. But you're right. There's been a great deal of resistance on the Democrat side. But would we not want to know the origin of the virus and to know if it came from a lab? particularly since this research still goes on. You want to get worse? Congresswoman Nancy Mace of South Carolina has sent a letter to Dr. Fauci that was also co-signed with Democrat and Republican colleagues who want to know about the reporting that under Fauci's direction, the NIAID, our organization, the National Institutes of Health, and the National Institutes of of allergy and infectious disease funded painful and deadly experiments on dogs. Records obtained show that the dogs, beagles, uh, beagle puppies, endured months of pain, and once researchers were done with them, they were killed. It's very difficult for me to describe the kind of research that you're doing on beagles. It's very personal for me because... I had a beagle. It was actually my wife's beagle. It was actually my son Matthew's dog. But our family pet was a beagle named Buster, a loyal 
beautiful animal. And uh, Buster, despite the name, was a was a female, and she stayed by my wife's side continually. In fact, <laughs> I get a little emotional here, but when my wife passed away. Uh, we, I wanted Buster to kind of have some kind of closure, so I brought her into the bedroom and let her sort of be with Denise a little bit uh, to kind of, I didn't know if a dog could understand if, uh, if, uh, if another being had died, but I wanted her to sort of know that this lady who she was, her constant shadow for, for years, was no longer with us. So it's very personal to me to think about that beautiful dog being tortured. The funding that was being reported, and again, I don't know that there's been any widespread confirmation. I would hope the media might be interested, is that these beagles' little heads would be put into little tents filled with parasitic fleas that essentially ate the dogs alive. And, I mean, it's it's awful for me to say it out loud, but if the United States was anywhere near this kind of research with our taxpayer dollars, that that is a very, very big deal. Coming up, a look at big money helping Democrats. They did things like register voters, design ballots, create processes for mail-in balloting, count ballots, you know, run the whole show. The Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Grounded in our distinctive Great Books curriculum, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy prepares students for exciting careers in politics who understand the relevance of America's founding principles to today's policy challenges. From our Southern California campus, we've sent over 1,000 alumni across America and around the world. The application period for fall 2022 classes has begun. Find out more at pepperdine.edu slash SPP. That's pepperdine.edu slash SPP. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Molly Hemingway's new book is about as timely as they get. The title, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Election. In it, she details how the left has gained control of all the levers that decide an election. She joins Salem host Dennis Prager. In all of your research, did anything surprise you? I knew before writing the book that I really wanted to look into big tech censorship and how corporate media had become propagandists. But what definitely surprised me the most was learning about how coordinated the operation to change our election laws was. And I had been someone who covered the 2016 election hoax extensively. And that was the one where Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party created this conspiracy theory that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election by colluding with Russia. And the guy who funded that, or who, who like actually hired the people who created that conspiracy theory, was a DNC lawyer, or a Democrat lawyer named Mark Elias. He's the same exact guy who ran the operation to change all the voting laws in all the states to create the chaos, the flooding the zone with tens of millions of mail-in ballots, and to decrease scrutiny for them. But that wasn't actually even the most surprising part. For me, it was the Mark Zuckerberg funding of $419 million 
to engage in a private takeover of government election offices. And those two things kind of go hand in hand, the changing the laws to flood the zone with mail-in ballots, and then to on the private takeover of of um, election offices in Democrat counties and swing states. Those were part of the same plan. All right, explain that last one to me. What, what, what did Mark Zuckerberg exactly do? Yeah, so, you know, billionaires spend money on campaigns all the time, but that's not what this was. This was, this was him spending $419 million predominantly in Democrat counties in swing states to embed left-wing activists into government offices, which are supposed to be nonpartisan, as they did things like register voters, design ballots, create processes for mail-in balloting, count ballots, you know, run the whole show. I, I actually write in there about how in one case in Wisconsin, these left-wing funded people literally kicked out the government officers who were supposed to be in charge of the election by just taking over the entire operation. And obviously it should be illegal for tech oligarchs to run our election, but it was such an audacious plan that many governments weren't prepared to even know it was happening, uh, much less that it had happened. Wow. So what does it mean exactly that he spent $419 million? Who, who did he give the money to? So it was, it was funded, the, the money went to counties nationwide. But they predominant, the money predominantly went to blue counties in swing states. And people suspected that this was very much helping Democrats, as, as, you know, if they knew about it as it was happening. But now there's all sorts of research and data showing how partisan the results were. So one of the, one of the states that he funded was Texas, some Democrat counties in Texas. And a team of economists figured out using Bayesian analysis that this yielded 200,000 additional votes for Joe Biden in Texas. And you think, well, that doesn't really matter. Texas is a strongly Republican state. But you have to remember that Ted Cruz won his election in 2018 by only just over 200,000 votes. And most of the funding was going to see if these states ring any bells, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona. And each of those states had fairly narrow margins yielding victory for Democrats. And there's no question that this targeting of massive blue counties with these get-out-the-vote operations, which just happened to coincide precisely with Democrats' actual campaign strategy, yielded the difference for these states. Okay, so I, I want to truly understand this. These extra votes are legitimate extra votes or phony extra votes? So they are, near as I can see, I mean, one of, the, one of the issues are, one of the issues is that the change to mail-in balloting laws and the widespread expansion of balloting laws makes it almost impossible to detect, much less conclusively find fraud. So the fact that there is a degradation in the security of our system through the changes to the laws is, is an important issue. But let's leave that aside and just assume for the sake of argument that every single one of these votes that has very little scrutiny applied to it is legitimate. This is about the additional wringing out of votes in blue counties relative to red counties um, in the election. And the reason why that's important is because it's like in a sporting, in, in, in a, like a Super Bowl 
if one team is hiring the officials, paying the officials, training the officials, responsible for the officials, then you might have some questions about close calls. And because of mail-in balloting, so much of everything was about close calls. Does this signature match? Did they date their envelope? Are they supposed to be registered in that county? And so having the people embed into our nonpartisan system, but they're actually left-wing activists. I mean, the groups that were brought in, there were strings attached to all these funds. And the counties that took the funds had to bring in people from a list of left-wing groups. So vast amounts of money was spent, were spent, on hiring people in swing districts in red states, predominantly, to make sure that they were the people who did the vote counting. That's one issue that you raised. The other is the vast amount of ballots that were sent out to people, which enabled anything to happen as a result. Is that a fair summary thus far? Except that the funding went to blue counties in swing states, not swing counties in red states. And so they they really targeted the funding in a very smart fashion if you're a Democrat. You know, Philadelphia in Pennsylvania or Atlanta in Georgia or Milwaukee and other cities in Wisconsin. But the way the funding worked is that if you were in Philadelphia, this is no exaggeration, Philadelphia literally got 10 million dollars in Zuckerberg funding, whereas Republican counties in Pennsylvania got $5,000. Go to Town Hall Review to hear the entire conversation between Prager and Molly Hemingway. Coming up, Major League Baseball stripped Atlanta of the All-Star game. Atlanta is in the World Series. Now what are they going to do? The final segment of the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt when we return. If you enjoy the Town Hall Review and you are a person of faith, let me introduce you to another podcast I think you'll like. It's the Christian Outlook, and in it you'll hear the leading voices in the Christian world engaging the issue of the day. This week, the Supreme Court fast-tracks a hearing on the Texas abortion law. We already know the entire federal government is being used to stop this Texas bill. It's an extraordinary moment on one of the most controversial laws in the nation. That law outlaws abortion in the state after the detection of a fetal heartbeat. A challenge from Billy Graham's granddaughter on passing the faith to the next generation. We're setting them up for failure if we don't teach them this wonderful relationship with Jesus. And Max McLean with a new film on C.S. Lewis. The most reluctant convert in all of England, you know, I gave in and admitted that God is God, knelt and prayed, perhaps the most dejected, reluctant convert so, in all England. We've got all this and more. To subscribe, go to ChristianOutlook.com. That's ChristianOutlook.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. When Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a law strengthening voter integrity in March this year, the left reacted in anger and rage. Major League Baseball cowered and responded by stripping Atlanta of the All-Star game. But the Atlanta Braves finished the season by winning the National League pennant. Now they are in the World Series, a far greater platform than any All-Star game. And to add salt to the wound of the progressives, they will play the Houston Astros, whose home state is Texas. Another major target on the progressive list of states to boycott 
Here's Salem host Mike Gallagher. I despise the suits who run Major League Baseball. I, I really do. I cannot stand the way these clowns have tried to bend to the Twitter mob. They're changing all the names over of, uh, offensive offensive nicknames. The Cleveland Indians are now the Cleveland Guardians. Shut up with the Cleveland Guardians. What are you, the Guardians of the Galaxy? you going to have a little fox piloting the plane? When is that going to be your new mascot, Cleveland? I cannot, I cannot believe for one minute that reflects the fans of Cle- in Cleveland. But now look at what baseball did to Atlanta. They ripped the All-Star game out of Atlanta, all because the state of Georgia wants to strengthen election integrity. They want to protect the integrity of elections. And as a result, Major League Baseball, in all its wokeness, ripped the All-Star Game from Atlanta, hurting black-owned businesses, and moving the All-Star Game to Lily White, Denver. Great move, baseball. You want to talk about the, you guys make the gang that can't shoot straight look like a bunch of road Scholars. So now look what's happened. Atlanta is in the World Series. Now what are they going to do? If they had any guts, they'd ban, they'd prevent the Atlanta Braves from hosting the Houston Astros in the World Series. Come on, MLB, where's your wokeness? Now we're all going to be exposed to the wonders of Atlanta, Georgia. They are still the Braves. Apparently, the owners of the Atlanta Braves are telling the woke Twitter cowards to go pound salt. We're not changing the name. We're going to have the time. And, there's, and I think they still do the tomahawk chop at Atlanta Braves games. And the left slumps over in mortification. Saturday night, guess who sang the national anthem before the Atlanta Braves game? Travis Tritt, Mr. Anti-Mandate. The guy who won't perform anywhere where there's a vaccine mandate was invited to sing the Star-Spangled Banner in Atlanta at Truist Park for Game 6 of the National League Championship Series. So the chickens are coming home to roost. Thanks for joining the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Catch up on earlier episodes at our website, townhallreview.com. And sign up for a daily dose of the best in talk radio. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Shubin, producer Charlie Richard, David Pouchon, Ben Brigman, Michael Cook, Alex Perez, Adam Ramsey, Harley Eide, and Dwayne Patterson. Let me say thanks once again to our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Thank you for joining us. You live an electric life. We're here to keep it going. We're Energy Harbor, chosen by nearly 1 million customers like you for safe, reliable, sustainable energy. Energy Harbor, live with power. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend.